0: Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you want to learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there.
1: Well, I'll tell you what Netflix told me. Okay. They said we got a lot of honkies, a lot of straight whitey, but if you're selling out like 2,000 seats or more, will have you. Because that means they can guarantee views. So be a minority, get in a wheelchair, be (laughs) fat, have something. uh, Or get famous and then go and become a stand-up. You know, go get a huge YouTube numbers and then send them your special. They'll buy it. Hot breath.
0: Ahoy there, Hot breath of verse Welcome back to the Hot Breath Podcast, your show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am comedian Joel Byers, and you know what time it is. Hot Breath. That is right, hot brethren and sister, and we are back, and we have one of our favorite guests back in the hot breath of verse. He's done the show a few times, but we've recently, with the current quarantine, which I hope you're all being safe out there, we've been doing this live Q&A series called Comedians on Skype Talking Comedy. We're in our Facebook group, which if you're not a member, go into the show notes Click join the Facebook group so you can start getting in on these Q&As we've been doing with comics like Nate Bargatze, we just had Beth Stelling and Ted Alexandro and Emmy Blotnick, just so many different comics are coming on the show to answer your questions and Mark is one of them and he just released his special, Out to Lunch. It's on YouTube now, but we got to interview him before the release To share his experience with that, why Netflix denied him, and so much more. So I'm excited for you to get into this today. Thank you so much for listening. Just share this with other comics if you find this episode helpful. And we'll see you in the outro with some more exciting news. So now, there's only one thing left to do. And that is inhale a hot breath. Hello everyone. With Welcome Mark to
1: what we call hot breath maybe <laughs> don't mind me. <laughs> Mark, I'll do a quick rub and tuck.
0: This is perfect. This is how we're gonna go viral. This is our big break, people. It's Mark.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, all right. I'm sorry. Oh, your gal must you be so up.
0: proud. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, the- tiny penis. No, come on. I've listened to Tuesdays with stories. I know the deal. Medium. So people in the comments, that is a great icebreaker. uh, So you don't have to ask that question anymore. Don't ask Mark how big his penis is. He just told us. So uh, go ahead and start commenting with with your questions. And uh, we're going to get this going. But I have to ask you first, uh, Mark. Please. um, Yo. You you've told a lot of cool stories about your work with Seinfeld in terms of like the behind the scenes stuff, but uh-huh. you know, Hot Breath is like a comedy education show. And I'd be wondering what you learned from more of like the craft side or how he operated that you've kind of applied to what you do now.
1: Mmm. Good question there, Fatty. I would hey. say he's uh He's such a workhorse. He's too. He's almost a perfectionist to a fault where it takes him a while to make new material because he's such a nut about the meticulous wording and the choices and the order and everything. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's almost a flaw, but it's also what makes his material so great. So uh, what I learned was he had this great thing about writing because nobody likes to write. It's a pain in the ass. It sucks. But he said... If you turn the music off, turn the TV off, put the phone away and just stare at an idea you think is funny, your brain will get so miserable that it'll have to crack the code on it. Does that make sense? Huh. You know, like if you're stuck in a room, you'll find something to do because your brain doesn't want to be bored. So if you stare at a joke for long enough, like the premise, and then you have that that feeling of like, all right, this sucks. I want to go do something else. If you hang in there. Your brain will get so bored, it'll make it happen. It'll make it work.
0: So you'll just like physically sit there and stare at it like written on the page type deal?
1: Totally, yeah. And every fiber in your bean says, pull out, jerk off, watch TV, go gay. But you stick with it, and your brain will come up with something.
0: Fascinating.
1: And if you look at his material, you can see that he did that. He's got this joke about golf. I don't want to give away his material. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's like, golf. I don't understand golf. You know why guys go golf? Because they need to be alone. That's what golf stands for. Go out, leave family. (laughs) It's a funny joke, but you can tell he came up with that joke from just staring at the fucking golf, that word, Mm G-O-L-F. And that's how he got there.
0: Very cool. So that you'll do that now.
1: I try. I mean, I'm not as disciplined as him because, you know, I got... I got all these toys, I got a moped, I got a I got a lady naked next to me, you know, so it's hard, but he's a 65-year-old Jew, and he's willing to, to do it.
0: Yeah, this actually uh, can go into the first question from Charlie Harper, you brought up Jews. Mark, what's your favorite Jewish?
1: Mmm, well, I mean, I gotta go to the source. I gotta go Groucho. Mmm. It's Groucho Larry David. There's somewhere, some neck and neck, great neck and neck. With those two, so uh, I guess I go Larry David because he's alive. But the all timer is a uh, big old Julius Marks Groucho. Yeah,
0: that's uh, you have him as your Twitter header photo too with the with the
1: gals. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's just so funny. He was the first guy to do it that way, and just joke after joke. And mm-hmm. he's Woody Allen and Bill Cosby's idol, which changes <laughs> over the years. But uh, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, for I mean, sure. He's the
1: quickest guy. So th- Here's a couple, two quick Groucho lines. Yeah. One, he's, he's, direct, he's directing a movie. Some guys direct his name's Andy Wood. And they go, hey, will you, because Groucho kept cutting up. And he goes, look, I can't make that actors out of clay. And he goes, well, apparently you can't make directors out of wood. <laughs> Pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Second, he was at a, a restaurant in, in L.A. And a priest comes up to him and goes, Mr. Groucho, I don't want to bother you. He's eating a bowl of soup. And he goes, I don't want to bother you, but I just want to thank you for putting so much joy into the world. And Groucho looks up and goes, I just want to thank you for taking so much out. (laughs) Come on. Quick. Comedy. Comedy indeed.
0: Uh, This question, Dylan O'Neill, who's actually a Toronto comedian by way of Ireland. So um, he wonders, how much of the greats have you studied and how do you break their sets
1: down? Hmm. Ooh. Well, studied is a tough question. I mean, I've watched everything. Watched all of Carlin. Watched all of Pryor. You name it. But uh, I don't know about study. That's a good question. I guess is this watching count as studying?
0: Yeah, I think that's what he means by study. Is like you're watching, but when you're watching a comedian, how are you analyzing them? What are you looking for?
1: Well, there's a lot of, you ever hear a line and it gets a huge laugh and you go, why did that get a laugh? Mm-hmm. Or even you say a line on stage, you go, why did that click? That wasn't what I intended to, to laugh, but I got a laugh. So I think with stuff like that, you got to just sit there and just break it down. And that's kind of why comedy's magical, because sometimes you just can't figure it out.
0: So you're like, you hear a laugh and you're always wondering why, what did they do? Is it what they said or is it how they said it type deal?
1: Yeah, yeah, because usually you go, oh, that got a laugh because it was a misdirect, or it was a pun, or you thought he was going to say this, he said that. But sometimes it's just a funny thing in a funny rhythm, Mm -hmm. and it just tickles that taint.
0: Well, how are you able to evoke laugh in your own certain style? Because Dylan actually had a little follow-up detail of, I'd love to know his process because his jokes are so quick and sharp and easy to follow, and the punchlines
1: are gold. Mm. Wow, well... I'm being honest, I have zero faith in the audience. <laughs> I assume audiences are all incredibly unfunny and incredibly dumb. Mm-hmm. And I have to, I spell out every joke because there's nothing worse than having a great idea and then them not getting it. So you got to make them understand it, you know? So I say it over and over a million times, and I just keep trying to simplify, simplify, simplify and take out everything you don't need. And shorten it up because I I also have no faith in people's attention span. Mm-hmm. So it's just years of hammering it through like a a funny filter or a, a simple filter.
0: Is, is there a TV on or sound? Uh
1: oh. Uh oh. Is
0: she? Is, wait, is your gal in there watching?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, don't worry she about it. Somebody. I don't want to. I don't want to block you for later. She's gonna be like, you did that silly podcast, and they told me. To... Actually, I don't know if that's how <laughs> she sounds or not. I only know Sorry. from your Instagram video Of the coronalingus I
1: believe it was <laughs> Wow yeah you nailed it
0: True story Well when you're talking about uh, like Editing your joke and the audience not understanding it When you say a joke one way And then you're like they're not understanding it how, the, how are you then editing it down What are the things you're manipulating To make them understand it in the future Keep
1: it simple I always think about McDonald's okay. you know, What would McDonald's do <laughs> You know, this has got to be. This got to appeal to everybody, and it's got to be easy to understand. It's like a website. You know, you ever go on a website, you're like, what? You read legal jargon. You're like, what the fuck is this? Mm -hmm. I think you got to just make it so it's buttons and letters and colors. You know, just easy peasy to figure out. You want to walk into that store and get it.
0: So it's like maybe they don't understand the premise. So you need to be more clear on what
1: it is you're even trying to say with the premise. Of course. I mean, uh-huh. look at Chris Rock. He repeats his premise three times. You know, women can't go back in lifestyle. They can't go back in lifestyle. Women, that, he, that's just him making sure you get it. Mm-hmm. You know exactly what he's saying. Nice. Simple is better. Oh, you got to keep it simple. Nothing worse than being confusing as a comic.
0: All right. Justin Bornoville. What is your opinion of the live stream shows that are popping up online? Would you recommend starting one or waiting until this craziness is
1: over? Hey, you got to do what you got to do, Justy. You know, uh, get out there, keep sane, have an outlet. It's all about having an outlet. You know, we used to get up on stage twice a night, three times a night. And now that's just completely wiped out. So mm-hmm. you got to figure something out. So if you want to do it, do it. I don't know if there's much to gain from it, but. At least you yapping your gums and scheduling something. It gives you a little hope. Have you? So I say do it. Have you done any of them? Uh, one or two. They're I think they're dumb. I'd rather do this. Yeah, that's what I've been asking
0: every comic that has come on here. Is like a lot of us right now. We're like, what do we even? What do we do as comedians? You know, and a lot yeah. of people are saying like Mike Cannon and. Um, Jacob Williams was on here today, and they were all. We we're just creating a bunch of content while Sean Patton yeah. was on here saying he's doing more of these live stream pop up shows and stuff like that. What are you doing? Mm.
1: I'm doing this. I'm making videos. Mm. I'm tweeting like a madman. I'm writing like a madman. Uh, so for me, it's all about staying funny, and I don't feel like those those live shows are funny. That re- really that funny because it's all about the laugh. I need that response from an audience. So it's it's tough. Um, but, you know, I'm not knocking them. Do what you got to do. But yeah. I like pods and I like the interaction. I don't feel like I'm getting a real reaction from those. Nice.
0: All right. But hey, do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so early into this quarantine that it's still a lot of, like, trial and error, you know. Right, right. And uh, Sean Patton had said he did one early on that was just, like, him and comics. And then he did it one like the day before our interview where it was like comics with an actual like audience of like 15 people on zoom. Like it was really, so they're, they're growing, getting a little more sophisticated, but okay, it's still, yeah, there, there may be a delay or something. It's still not as well. If there's an audience,
1: then that's different. I was talking, I was thinking it was just you and a guy.
0: Mm -hmm. So maybe I'll do it. Okay. I'm sure eventually. Yeah. It's, um, this is It's no Joe Rogan, but it'll definitely It'll no, the you pallet. might have
1: talked me into it.
0: Well, this next one comes from Liam Harvey. It is a uh, mm-hmm. what's your favorite kind of queef?
1: Mm. <laughs> I, I like a long, flappy one, just like a Those are the best when it really gets the air out. All right, and less importantly.
0: Where's a good place to learn joke writing techniques? Any books slash
1: anything I can read? That's a good question. I don't. You can read the comedy bible, but it's not great. Hmm. I think uh, go online. There's a YouTube video online of Seinfeld writing a joke, yeah. and the New York Times did it. That was pretty good. But again, it's it's like boxing. You got to get in the ring. Right. It's hard to learn. You got to try it and fail and tweak it and try it or you got to try it on regular people at your work or your family or friends. It it's almost a two to tango kind of thing, you know? It's like saying uh it's like saying hey, you got to can I learn to be sexy? No, you got to go try it and be sexy and fail and you know, you can't just joke writing. and you need the response. So without mm-hmm. knowing whether it's good or not, it's hard to get better. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, there was a, there's a Greg Dean book that was like step-by-step step to stand-up. That's the only one I've ever read, mm-hmm. but it was good at breaking down one-liners in terms of like oh, how, to, how to find your premise, how to set it up, how to misdirect it. So it was good in the early years of just finding maybe the mechanism behind creating a joke, but yeah. you still have to say it on stage to know.
1: Yeah, yeah. or to even a human being, something. Right, but- yeah, exactly. Good yeah. luck.
0: But listen to Hot Breath Podcast. It's a great one, Liam. That'll be Or,
1: or just listen to Stephen Wright, Demetri Martin, Mitch right. Hedberg, and just see what they did and go, why did that go that way? Why You know, mm-hmm. try to figure it out.
0: All right. Quinn Fitzgerald says, oh, love the pod. All right. Thank you, Quinn. Oh, wait. He's talking. Wait, which one? Are you talking to Tuesday or Hot Breath? I don't know which one he's talking about. Good question. Uh, we'll say both. We're We're of the same ilk.
1: Uh-huh. Uh,
0: and he also asks, uh, "How do you know when you should move to New York for comedy?"
1: Mm, I don't know. It's like having a baby. There's there's no wrong or right time. I think just go, just go. Mm-hmm. Get get ten minutes together that you like. Although I went with ten minutes, I was like, "This kills everywhere." I'm going to show up to New York. Everybody's going to blow me. Bomb for two years. So yeah, I would go sooner or better than later.
0: Yeah, just kind of jump in. Not just right now. In. Wait for this pandemic. Well, to, yeah. Yeah,
1: but otherwise,
0: just yeah. jump in. Yeah, and um, Sean Patton actually had fun insight into just like move here, but just understand nothing's overnight and that you're going to be doing these rough open mics and it's going to be uphill. But if you want to do comedy, then it's just part of the process.
1: Yeah, you could be a great uh, pole vaulter, but... New York is the Olympics, so now you're coming to the Olympic camp and you're going to have to step it up. Yep. All right. Oh, Jason
0: P. Leonard. He said, hey, comedy. Ah, Lenny. Yeah, he runs some great shows in Louisiana.
1: Great shows.
0: Um, Thomas Matelsky, what inspires you when comedy kicks you in the teeth again and again?
1: Ooh-wee. <laughs> well, the funny thing is the teeth kicking is what keeps you coming back because it hurts so bad that it motivates you to go, I got to do that again just to feel better. Mm. And then that one could kick you in the balls too. But it just, every now and then you get that one good one that you're like, all right, all right, all right, I'm good. But you're only as good as your last set and it, it stings and it hurts. But what else can you do? I mean, if this is what you've chosen. This is it. You know, you got dumped before. You didn't give up women. What have you found
0: to like, in those low moments where, like, you did bomb or something didn't work out, what have what did you find was helpful in you overcoming that faster?
1: Ooh, well, you got to go back to the, the notebook mm. and retool and and go go hard, go harder, and then because it's so scary, that feeling is so painful that it makes you motivates you to work harder and go back, and then you're like, all right, now when I go back on stage, I'll be ready.
0: Yeah, it's almost it's a motivator. Just, the faster you get back on stage, the better you'll feel type deal. Yes. Just keep moving. Just keep fighting.
1: Exactly. Totally.
0: All right, Mr. Leonard, he followed up with a question. Do you think a lot of comics on any level won't come back once the virus is over? Ooh.
1: I sure hope so. <laughs> uh we need a good, we need a good douching of the <laughs> yeah. comedy world. Uh, But yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. there's so many. Even in January, you see a huge influx because everybody's got their resolutions. Mm-hmm. And then by fe- late February, they're gone because they realize, oh, this is no money in this. This is a lot of work. I, I, I'm losing my nights. So uh it's, this is going to push out a lot of comics, and I, I'm I'm happy about it because uh, you know. There's not enough stage time for everybody, let's be honest. And, look, everybody can do it. Everybody should have the right to do comedy, but it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you're just jerking off and having a fun hobby, that's great, but some of us are uh, buying food with this. So, I don't know. Do what you want, but uh, leave it to the uh, the passionate. Yeah, how are you making money right now, by the way, also, well, this pays, I assume. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I get my podcast is bringing in a lot of dough. I'm about to nice. about to sell this special, uh, hopefully that I just Ooh. about to drop. So that'll that'll be a nice chunk Spoiler of change, and then alert. Sound Exchange. Oh yeah, Sound Exchange. Every time uh, they play my album on Sirius, right. that's a nice chunk. So I'm just living off of royalties, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: So when what's what's the deal with the special? When did you what's what's going on with that?
1: Well, it took a little longer to edit, because my editor had a snafu, and then we have a network involved, and then they pulled out, and then we got a new network, so there was all kinds of hiccups, but we're back, and it looks great, and I'm proud of it, and I'm happy with it, so it should come out soon, but I need a little time to promote now that it's all done. I thought it was going to come out yesterday, but everything fell apart, so now it's coming out in like two, three weeks, but just because I need some promotion time. Oh, wow, okay. Where'd you film it at? Filmed at the this theater in L. A. called the Dynasty Typewriter. Okay. We sold it out, and we were like, "Well, this is a pretty place. We might as well shoot here." It was was all last minute, and we just it all came together. And I'm thank Jesus, praise Allah, that I filmed it before this fucking happened. Dude, wow!
0: And is this one of those specials you like paid for yourself with hopes to sell it and all that?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. The the Sam Merrill model. Yeah, it seems to be the
0: move. Yeah, I want to get him on here to talk about. How he did his whole thing and then released it actually through Comedy Central's YouTube and all that. It's very uh, well, yeah. interesting angle.
1: Yeah, it seems to be the New World Order and uh these other companies like he's one of the best comics and yeah. Netflix is stupid for not putting him on, but they just they they're, they want shiny star fuckery. Which I get it's a business. Right. But hey. All right. He's Dalton. Coming up next, Trent
0: Bab. For writing, when you write multiple punchlines for one joke, do you tend to go with the one with the most surprise or the one that flows
1: the best? Ooh. Now, you see, that one's, that's a tough one because you should go with the one that it's a compromise of the best laugh and that you feel good about. It's got to fit you. you got to have integrity and go with it because sometimes you get a hacky line that kills, but you go, eh. A that's probably been done a million times. B that's easy. It's only getting glad because I say fuck or jizz or whatever. So you gotta find the the nice integrity line between this kills and I I like it. I'm I approve of this. Mm-hmm. So then the one that with the flow, the flow is just gonna happen. You can't just have a good punchline and change the flow because then the punchline will change. So I wouldn't worry about the flow or whatever. I would worry about how you feel about it. And it's got to get a huge laugh, too.
0: Because it seems like if you feel better about the joke, you'll be able to deliver it more consistently.
1: Totally, totally. And the more confidence you have behind it, like, you know when you're about to deliver a punchline, you go, this is going to kill. That's what you want. It's almost like, you know, sometimes you shoot a basketball, and right when it leaves your finger, you go, that's going to swish. Even before it hits midair, you know it's going in. That's how a joke should feel when you tell it.
0: How long did you prepare for this new special? How long were you
1: uh, writing that Woo! one for? I think I wrote the thing within two years, uh-huh. but if I did an, another year of just polishing, and then another ye- year ha, six months of of adding tags. Because you got to almost fall out of love of a bit where you can see it clearly. Yeah, you know, like we've all heard a woman be like, "My boyfriend's beautiful," and you look at him; he's a fat piece of garbage. But in her eyes, she loves him so much that he seems attractive. Sometimes you have that with jokes. You know, you're like, this joke, I love it so much. I'm so proud of it, but it's not that great of a joke. So you almost need to step back from your own material for a while just to see the, the realness of it, you know, how accurate it is or how funny it actually is.
0: And are you, you're disciplined with writing, but are you disciplined with like recording your set and reviewing your set as well and like that process?
1: pretty good in the beginning you know if the joke is new i'll listen to it a hundred times but once it starts working i just kind of put it over in the killing pile cool (laughs) and i don't really listen to it anymore but you got to listen to the new all right charlie
0: harper first comic you saw
1: live oh me uh jeez, i thought he was about to say his first comic (laughs) i saw live I saw this guy... Are we talking real comics or like open micers? Probably a name-worthy comic. Jeez. Um, Maybe Seinfeld. I saw Seinfeld in 01 in Baton Rouge. Whoa. Uh, dating a gal. She got me tickets for a birthday present. I still remember it. He ran out. He had the suit on. It was incredible. I still remember some of the bits. I saw George Carlin shortly after that at a casino in, in Mississippi. Not a great set, but something cool to see. I'm glad I saw him because he died shortly after. Uh, so, yeah, those are probably the two big ones that stand out. Nice.
0: All right. Uh, Zach Lyman, where was your first headliner gig?
1: Ooh. First headlining gig was at a place called the Howlin' Wolf in New Orleans. And it was like – wasn't even a real headlining gig. It was like six comics and I went last. Right,
0: yeah, yeah. And <laughs> – those are benchmarks. You know, Those are milestones though in our career. Sure,
1: sure. I was I was happy about it. I was excited. I was flattered. My name was on the flyer. You know, twelve people showed up. Right. It's a huge room that fits five hundred, but twelve people are there just <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I bombed my ass off, but it was still a still a big moment. My brother showed up and nobody nobody liked it. But it was something. All right,
0: Liam Harvey, how do you get away with riskier bits like your pedophile
1: bit, grape juice, he said? Oh, thanks. That bit took months and months. It took almost a year to get that bit to work Whoa. because it's so dark and, you know, such a touchy subject, no pun intended with the kid touching. But it's so tough that, like, you had to work that bit out, but you got to also factor in that they're terrified, you know? So it's tough to get those jokes to work. So you got to almost have to tweak those to perfection in your apartment before you can actually get a laugh at it. The joke has to be pitch perfect before it'll work because the subject matter is so edgy. How do you get it right in your apartment alone without an audience? Because I still bombed with it. you got to just suck it up and bomb with it uh-huh. and just get little bits of information from the audience every time it bombs like all right it did a little better if i say it that way if i say it faster it does better or if i just lean into it it got a little bit better and then over time just with those little clues i could get it to work 100 percent. but it took a lot of trial and error of just guinea pigging that bit over and over let me try it a little this way let me try it that way let me try that and it took forever but i finally got it
0: what makes you continue to Pursue a joke like that instead of just saying, ah, it's it's
1: useless, I'll throw it away. Everything in your body's like, throw it away, you're bombing, you're you're throwing your whole set off because this pedophile joke is freaking people out. Mm-hmm. But if you believe in it and you run it by comics, that's where comics come in handy because comics just see through they don't see the bullshit. They see oh, this is a good bit, I like the idea here. They're not just listening to the you know, oh the buzzword. Mm. They actually hear the the bit for what it is. So I think you gotta use your friends on that one. Gotcha. All
0: right. We're um we got about six minutes left, kids, so we're gonna bump them in here. Uh Mike Fountain, best ways to recognize, sharpen, and develop
1: your persona slash voice. Ooh man. Mm i got to tell you, that's a good question. When I was coming up, I asked everybody that question. I, I'm open for Pete Holmes, and I asked him. I asked Tom Papa. I asked everybody when I was starting out because I was like, what the hell is your voice? What is that? Why is why has everybody found theirs and not, I haven't found mine? And somebody told me, I forgot who, but somebody gave me the great advice is look at all your jokes that work and find the common link between all those jokes, and that's probably your voice. Why do you keep going back to these? Why is this... Subject matter touched on a lot. Why is this like this? Why'd you pick that material? Whatever it is. And that helped me. And listening to yourself. And you go, "Oh, that's a that's a joke I would tell. Or you listen to your friends, they go, that's such a Mark joke. That's a and you're like, really? And then you go, okay, so what the hell's Mark? What the hell's that? You know, and just it's all about clues and, and remembering everything. Take it all in. So for me I figured out eventually that my shtick is it's basically saying, if this is like that, then why isn't this like that? And that's my whole act. Yeah. Nice. I don't see color. Well, then I'm black. No, you're not. Aha. <laughs> you know, just by inconsistencies.
0: All right. Vic Sedano. He said comedy.
1: Uh, hey, Vic. Vic's vapor rub. <laughs> Michael Vic. How? Victorious. Sorry.
0: No, you're good. I, I, would, I would play the game with you, but I want to make sure we get all these questions. No, no, but no. You're right. Yeah. In a, in a longer interview, I'll, I'll tag them up with you. Uh, how long after you write a joke do you try it on stage, and so you review notes before going on stage or edit after?
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this two questions? So I
0: think it's um, how long after you write a joke will you try it on stage, and then do you okay. review notes before going on, or do you just edit after?
1: Ah, good question there, Vicky. I write if I feel good about a joke that I've written, I'll do it that night. Sometimes I'll write it on the train on the way to a show and feel like, oh, this is this is a this is a jackpot. Guaranteed laugh. I'll try it. And it doesn't always work. Probably nine out of ten times it doesn't. But if I feel good about it, I'll try it. Sometimes I have an idea in the shower and I go, This is big and you gotta like take it apart. And sometimes that takes weeks before you bring it on the stage because it's such a complex idea that you got to simplify before you bring it out to the masses. And uh, two, I will look at my notes till the millisecond before I grab the microphone. Mm -hmm. I'm walking on the stage looking at my notes. You got to look at your notes. I read something when I was a kid that if you study right before the test, you have like if you like you read through your study material bullshit before your test, you'll you'll do like 28% better and it's the same with your jokes. If you look through it, especially new stuff, it helps. Boom. All right. Oh. Sean Murphy. I've heard for hey. I've
0: heard for years that you need to be able to perform clean comedy. I try hard to write clean, meaning I don't curse a lot, but my subject matter always ends up adult. What's your opinion on
1: clean comedy? Hate to say it, Seany Murph dog, but it is mm, very helpful, very almost almost necessary. I mean, even David Tell, who's like the funniest guy on the planet, who's got midget jokes and he jizz his he's got clean. He can write clean. He can do it. So I think it's imperative if you want to do Fallon, you wanna do all these late nights, you gotta have it. So it's a good way to get in the door. I'm not saying it's you, I'm not saying it's your voice or your path for the for forever, but I think it's good to have and fuck it. Suck it up and and try to make it work. Like, let's say you're an amazing wrestler and you want to do the MMA. You got to learn boxing.
0: You got to mm. box a
1: little. So have it in your corner. You know, I'm not saying it's got to be your future career. Uh, what, what's the opposite of temporary? Permanent. Thank you. It's not your permanent world, but try it. Knock it out. And it it's harder. It is harder. I will say, as as a combat, I can admit clean is harder. Dirty is easier. I'm not saying dirty's bad. I'm not saying dirty's hack. But it's easier. Because sex will get a laugh. Cursing will get a laugh. So challenge yourself by trying to write some clean.
0: Yeah, and if you didn't have clean, you wouldn't be able to open for Seinfeld.
1: Exactly, okay. exactly. And I trust me, I had to sift through albums of stuff mm-hmm. to find the cleanest shit that's like his level clean. And I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I had it.
0: All right. Dos más, mis amigos. Uh, Charlie Harper, what do you feel is the biggest drawback that keeps the bigger distributors
1: from buying specials? Well, I'll tell you what Netflix told me. Okay. They said, we got a lot of honkies, a lot of straight whitey, but if you're selling out like 2,000 seats or more, we'll have you. Because that means they can guarantee oh. views. So be a minority... Get in a wheelchair, be fat, <laughs> have something, uh, or get famous and then go and become a standup. Um, or just get a following. If you get a following on your own, if you become some YouTube queef, that'll help, you know, go get a huge YouTube numbers and then send them your special. They'll buy it. They're, they're just, they're just business people. They're, they're suits. Yeah. They just want numbers. numbers. They want money. They want views. So uh, if you don't want to do it the long way, that's your route. Go viral, then do comedy.
0: All right. Um, Trent Bab, uh, Seinfeld told you to move around more on stage. Do you do you bring that advice to all your gigs, or just the larger ones?
1: Now I do it at all of them. Why the hell not? Because I wouldn't do it. But when he told me that, I was like, ah, oh, what the hell? This guy's old fashioned. He's you know he's out of touch. And I did it, and my set went from a B-minus to an A+. plus. So he was right, and I, I'm glad I took his advice, and I'm glad I applied it. Because why the hell not? If it works on a theater, it'll work on a club. So What did you change? I'm not jumping around. Like What did you change well, to the do everything? I used to walk out, to plant my feet at a, on a theater stage, and just deliver my jokes standing there. And they went well. But you walk out and you walk all the way to one side, walk all the way to the other, do like a Chris Rock thing. Start saying the N-word, everything, and uh, you will, that crowd can't take their eyes off of you. And they're, they're mesmerized. And now, now they're so mesmerized that they're engaged more and listening more. So they're going to hear every joke, every word, every punch. So that equals more laughs.
0: Boom. All right, and the final question here. I'm going to squeeze in Skip because... I met him in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. I did um, one of Jason's shows last year, and he Mm. he bought a Hot Breath shirt, so I want to let him close Ah! us up with the final question. See? You buy merch, (laughs) you get paid in the end. (laughs) So uh, a skip asks, how long will you keep a bit slash work on it till you drop it, especially if you love the bit, but it's not getting the response you want?
1: You got to drop them. Greg Geraldo said, you got to kill your babies. It's hard, but I've seen comics in New York doing the same bit, and it bombs every goddamn time, and they keep doing it. And it makes you look worse, and it also makes you look crazy. Like you're going, what are you trying to get out of this bit? It never has worked once. Get rid of it. But I know it's hard. We're so attached, and we took the time to write it, so it's so hard to let it go. But if you truly believe in it, I would put it aside. As I said, fall out of love with it or become a better writer over time and then revisit it and you can really look at it from a clear eye and go that's what i was missing that's it i missed that one little angle and that changed the whole bit so if you really believe in it put it in the drawer come back in a year
0: boom mark normand everyone let's give him a round of applause Thank you, Mark, for coming back on Hot Breath, man. I know we uh, we had a, an interview planned while you were in Atlanta, and then Corona
1: brought us to Crazy. Skype. So, uh, I know. I'll, I'll be back. It's already rescheduled. I'll be back, uh, I think, at the beginning of next year. I'll have some new material. The special will come out. Listen to the pod. Yes. It's like we never left.
0: Yeah, everyone, go support Mark, Tuesdays with Stories, the podcast. And when that special comes out, man, anything we can do here at Hot Breath to help you, man, please. Don't hesitate.
1: God love you. Yeah, share it. Spread the word. Go gay. Spread your cheeks. <laughs> Anal, cleef, semen. Praise Allah. Thanks, gang. Mark Norman, thanks for being at
0: the Hot Verse, my man. Thank you. Hey, what's the title Please. of your special? Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch. Trent Babb at the buzzer. Mark Norman, have a good night. Stay safe out there, my man. Cheers. Well, there you go, hot brethren and sister. And Mark Norman back in the hot breath of answering your questions the exciting news we had I teased in the intro is that we have actually just launched our first online comedy writing course so if you're looking to learn some new tips and techniques to help improve your writing go into the show notes join the class and get some more info on how you can be a part of that and the private Facebook group where we're writing new jokes together every day Hot Sister and Tara Brown also actually wrote a review of Mark's comedy special on our website, hotbreathpodcast.com. If you're interested in becoming a Hot Breath correspondent and writing content like Tara did and getting it out in front of the Hot breathiverse and comedy fans around the world, reach out to me on social media at Joel Byers Comedy or at Hot Breath Pod with your ideas and let's collaborate. We have time right now. And the more we can come together and help each other, the better. That's what this whole Facebook group, that's what all these Q&As are about. So go join that Facebook group. Tell other comics about it. And we'll be back here with another episode, Hot Brethren and Sistern. So, those of you that know, I end all these episodes thanking my wife. So thank you to my wife, Erin, for making the theme song to this podcast. And she made the theme song to my comedy special that is available in the show notes as well, or on my website, joelbyerscomedy.com. But now that's it. Until next Monday, right here on Hot (sighs) Breath.